Good afternoon. Here we are on a warm summer day in North Georgia. It's July 13, 2011. And this is the first in a series of uh, talks that I'm going to be giving. I'm going to be uh, putting them on both video and audio. Uh, you can have one or the other or both. And uh, in as an explanation or some commentary, further commentary on this book, The Acts Laid to the Root. Um, when it came out in 2007-2008, uh, a number of people requested or suggested it might be good to have a manual or something to go along with this because this is a short little book, but there's a lot of uh, things packed in it, we might say. that. And so I, I really understood where this fellow these people were coming from, and I had it in mind for quite some time. First, I thought I would write it, but I, I realized I'd never get through it. So, here we go. We're going to talk this thing out and see if we can get a hold of uh, what God has for us this. So, the first thing we do is we thank you, Father. Thank you that you've brought us to this place. Thank you that you've filled us with yourself so that when we are walking, it is you walking. Thank you that when we are speaking, it is you speaking. But we only desire to speak by the Holy Spirit, and we only desire that our hearers hear by the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Just tell you a little bit about how the book came to be written. Um, in the spring, uh, well, actually I think it was in the winter, uh, early in winter of 2007, John Bunning, Boyd Williams, and I took a trip um, down from uh, Louisville through Tennessee, stopped saw some people in Tennessee, stopped some people in North Georgia, and then uh, we came to Atlanta. And um, we, we had two or three different groups in different places that time that we came to Atlanta. And one of them, um, we were discussing how when you walk in the Spirit, you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and we can trust Christ to handle us and to keep us from sin, keep us from walking in sin, but rather that because we are His, we're walking in the Spirit. And um, it's amazing how foreign a thing that is to so many um, honest believing believers in Jesus that uh, for whatever reason, whether we've been taught that, whether it's just what we feel inside, whether it's temptation from the devil, um, it is the greatest difficulty in, to overcome what we think is this self that we are so that we might, might walk in freedom and in the love of God. And um, when I first became a Christian, um, I, didn't, I wasn't going to a church. I didn't get saved at a church. I wasn't part of a group. Um, no particular, one particular group uh, reached out to me or, 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 or was in, instrumental. It was a whole conglomeration of a lot of things that the Lord brought closer and closer together and finally they all converged and I was found of Him whom my soul had sought. And um, I didn't understand what had happened to me at that point. But what I did understand and what I saw readily, because all I had was the Holy Spirit in myself, was that these, these, these words of Scripture, uh, which had been total mystery to me before, 
when you try to read Scripture through the natural mind, which is how I, I was studying and con considering and trying to figure these things out, because I was reading a lot of Eastern literature, and the Eastern literature quoted a lot also from the Bible, especially the New Testament. And yet when I read the New Testament, it didn't always say how the people whom I had been with in the Eastern um, way of looking at things, it didn't say the same thing in context of it, the story in the Scripture. And there were so many things in there, in, in the Gospels, and I probably read those mostly <coughs> uh, in the beginning, um, uh, before I really came to Christ. I read the Epistles, but they were even more mysterious. Um, but the but I saw that I, without any influence of people telling me yes or no, I saw this life offered in the Scriptures through Jesus Christ that I had begun to experience for myself. And I did see it in the beginning as, as, as uh, a, a, a totally different reorientation of my life. And I knew at the heart of it was joy. I knew at the heart of it was love. I knew at the heart of it was faith. Um, and, I, and, and I read the things in the Gospels and in the letters that said, here you are, you're complete in Christ, you're whole. I began to read and somehow the Spirit began to open a little bit of understanding right there in the beginning. Um, but after a while, as we all know, and I relate this some in the book, um, that initial thing goes away. And we're, we're left with this self that we are. And uh, also, it seems to be a normal thing that m most of us in Christ go through a period of um, condemnation, self-abnegation, um, a wrong view of ourselves. It's the self. We know Jesus is the Savior. We know He's the Lord. And that's the truth. And we know He's straight. We know He walks in the will of God. But the problem is us. What about us? It says there, and as we read it and we speak of it in a union way especially, but even before I knew these things uh, in a union sense, we see in there that you go and do that likewise. That the life of Christ is not just something He did for us. We begin to participate in it. And we begin to, as we have received, to freely give. And, but this, this struggle does come about where we, where, where we go through a season where we seem lost after having been found. We, where we seem like we're stumbling and we can't get through. And I think that is what um, we were dealing with that, fir that first night in Atlanta in 2007. I think it was in January. And we had a group of people there. We never have really large groups. It was a living room full. Um, or a living room half full. Um, and we were talking about these things, about walking in the Spirit and living the abundant life and knowing that Christ is living your life and keeping you uh, safe from sin and doing the things of Him. Uh, and one lady spoke up and asked a question, and her question was, Isn't it true that we must all inevitably sin? Now, Think about that for a moment. What it's saying is that, even though it does not say this in Scripture, it says the exact opposite. It says this idea, this thought, and it's pervasive throughout much of Christianity, 
in liturgical churches, in evangelical churches, and probably as much in charismatic churches too. Um, we think that what we've what what we call among ourselves the Roman Seven struggle, where you find when you 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 wish you would but you can't. And the things you want to do, you can't. The things you don't want to be doing, you find yourself doing. And um, I know it, it becomes a great frustration after having started out knowing that Christ is in us. But most people uh, come to this impasse where, and, and, and think, having been taught often, that we, there's no passing that in this life. Life is a continual struggle against flesh and the spirit. And as the old saying goes, there are two dogs, a black dog and a white dog. And whichever dog you feed the most wins. You feed the flesh, that dog gets bigger and wins. You feed the spirit, that dog gets bigger and, and wins the game. <coughs> well, I have an alternative to that uh, whole way of looking at things. I do not believe that it's, uh, it, it is true to say that we must inevitably sin. The Bible says screams against that. The New Testament does. Um, most especially in Romans 8. He says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a very matter-of-fact statement. Romans 6 likewise says, for you are dead to sin. You, you have died. And sin no longer operates you. Your, your, your members, your faculties, your human faculties used to belong to the wicked one. And he used them. That's called servants of unrighteousness or servants of sin, as it talks about in Romans 6. But also in Romans 6, it says, now that's gone. It was gone in baptism. It was gone in, in, in Christ dying. And it's gone in our identification in Christ's death. Because when he died, we died in him. We were in him. Because you see, we're his spiritual children. Even as when Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, and in Hebrews it points out that the Levitical priesthood acknowledges that the, that the priesthood of Melchizedek is a higher priesthood because the Levitical priesthood was in the physical loins of Abraham when he gave tithes to Melchizedek. Well, now listen. We are the spiritual children of Jesus Christ. And when he died in, in, in Palestine in, in 2,000 years ago, he, we were in his spiritual loins. We existed then in him. And all of humanity did because he came to be representative and one with all of us. And so that, so here we have that, uh, Jesus Christ has come into us. This is His purpose. And um, He does not live a life of sin. Instead, He lives a life of, of other love. He lives a life of existing continually to let the life of God flow through Him to others. And so that when He walked, it was the Father walking. When He talked, it was the Father talking. Well, Romans 6, 7 says that this is a done deal. We are no longer under the, 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 the domination of sin. It says that in Romans 7. We've died to the law. We've died to sin. And therefore there's no condemnation. And you can walk 
as a person who, who does not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because when you walk in the Spirit, and it says in Romans 8, somewhere in there, that if you are in Christ, you're in the Spirit. If you are not in the Spirit, you don't belong to Christ. And if you are do belong to Christ, then you're in the Spirit because you've changed kingdoms. But we'll get to that. I think the common thing uh, that I've seen all my life uh, it, with regarding this thing called grace is uh, is it, correctly but not fully defined by the uh, statement that I think most famously Billy Graham says um, is that um, you know justified means just as if I'd never sinned, and so. Um, But what, what, what people find in the definition of grace, I'm sorry, I kind of lost that for a minute, which is unmerited favor. And that's, that's a normal evangelical way of expressing the concept of grace. It's unmerited, unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it, but God did it anyway because He loved us. And I think that, that goes some way. But, I, but I, most people's attitude by that... Um, is that we do the best we can and then the Spirit just sort of, by cause of grace, just kind of overlooks what we do and we just stumble on. We never really fully measure up, but God counts it as righteousness anyway because we believe in Him. But that's not exactly uh, the purpose of Christ. Uh, if we might say the, talk about the purpose of Christ, we're talking about the, ful the fulfillment of the life of Christ in us. That's what the grace of God, which is not some separate characteristic that God has, that He kind of gives out some grace here and there. It's Himself. He Himself is the grace. So, we have to see that we cannot make the statement, everybody must sin, or the also normal, common statement, I sin every day, which... We find when you question people and say, well, name them, what, or, what were they? Uh, it's, I mean, some people can have some serious sins they might name, but for the most part, we live in sort of this vague, I think I'm sinning, I must be, because I don't feel Christian-like, I don't feel Christ-like, I don't feel holy, I have emotions going this way, I have emotions going that way, I might get cranky, and so... What we, what we tend to settle for is that this kind of mundane human life that we have just isn't good enough. And so, so the conclusion that we come up to because our experience is, is what we're basing it on is that, well, I must be sinning every day or things would get better. Because if I wasn't sinning, God would reward me and give me a better life and I would have joy, peace, and all these other things. So we're going to look into that. Walking in obedience to God, let me just read this from the introduction, is not an impossible goal. In fact, it should be the norm. Though we may think otherwise, grace is not some band-aid that God puts on things in order to, in a slovenly manner, overlook their occurrence. Grace is the life of God in us to bring us a life of, 
First of all, union. And out of that union flows everything else. Love, joy, peace, freedom, power. So that's what we're going to dis uh, discover in these uh, first openings. How can we find out who we really are in Christ? Is it possible? Is this just a pipe dream uh, that uh, we're just filling time with and busying ourselves with just some kind of theor theoretical brain candy? But that's not what we're talking about. Because if we can find out who we really are in Christ, how can we walk in it? Was that, would that not be God's purpose? That not only that we are found of Him, and that knowing our own death, as it says in Colossians, that you're dead with Him, we know we've become dead with Him. Look what happens when we know we've become dead with Him. We find our life that's in Christ that had been hidden there in Him all along. We've been struggling trying to make our own life when he already had a perfectly perfect one uh, ready for us when we were ready to give up our self-strivings and believe in or experience the death that he experienced in the cross and we're there with him. So that's what we're going to discover. How can we walk in that? So, that's what we hope and that's what we pray and that's what we believe. We will touch on, and hopefully impart some new information, new understanding, new spirituality in the Acts laid to the root, but really through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much.